we're continuing our discussion on expectation damages, now we're going to be focusing on the requirement to mitigate damages. Otherwise, you may be able to not recover your expectation damages. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Although a plaintiff may recover expectation damages, they're going to be required to mitigate. Or they're going to risk losing everything that they may have won on a jury verdict. In other words, mitigating damages are to offset your expectation damages. It's to prevent a claimant from asking more than they need to based off of their opportunity to mitigate their expenses. In other words, if they have a part of their damages, they should not be allowed to recover for their part of the damages. So we have a couple of cases here. We have Rockingham County versus Lawton Bridge Co. The big takeaway from this case is that when a breach has incurred, the injured party may recover their expenses up to the breach, plus the fulfillment of the profit that they would have realized if there had been no breach. That's the classic definition of an expectation damage. But the injured party, if they continue to incur costs, they will be required to absorb those costs. So in this situation, Lawton Bridge Co. was beginning to build a bridge, and then Rockingham County told them, no, you need to stop working on this bridge. We don't want the bridge anymore. Well, Lawton Bridge Co. continued to work on the bridge, and then they tried to recover for all of those expenses that they incurred working on that bridge. So ultimately, it's a question of, do you stop working? Do you keep working? And the answer is going to be, it depends. Sometimes the best way to mitigate your damages is to stop performance. In the case of building the bridge, the best way to mitigate damages was to stop performance because then you don't incur all those extra damages. Other times, it's best to mitigate by finishing performance. If you already have the materials purchased and you're going to lose the value of that material unless if you finish well, then it's best to finish your performance because then that material is actually getting put to use. So what's our biggest takeaway from this case? We're going to look at what is commercially reasonable for a non-breaching party to behave depending on this case-by-case situation. Our second case is Maness versus Collins. And our takeaways here is that the plaintiff even though they have the requirement to mitigate damages, it's going to be up to the defendant to show that that plaintiff failed to mitigate damages. And in this instance, uh, Menes versus Collins, they need to show that the other person could have found reasonable work elsewhere or that they chose not to seek out that work. That was the two ways that he could mitigate damages, and the defendant failed to prove that, or at least even failed to claim that, so it didn't apply in that situation. Finally, I want to talk about the lost volume doctrine. This is going to be outlined in Jet Service Co. versus Selena Properties. It's also going to be outlined in the UCC, uh, Chapter 2, two uh, 708, Subsection 2, and the Restatement Second in Contracts, Section 250, Comment D, and section 347, F. But what a lost volume seller is and how it works 
is that the lost volume seller measure of damages refers to the lost volume of business the non-breaching seller incurs on the buyer's breach when the seller resells the entirety he's expected to sell to the original party he usually deprives himself of something of value what's that something of value the sell to the new buyer of a similar entity so let's simplify this statement ultimately if you contract to sell to one party and that party breaches and you end up selling to a different party who is like the first party well then you still lost the sale to the original buyer you could have sold to party A and party B so you're still entitled to the recovery based off of party A there's no requirement to mitigate damages because you can't mitigate damages you would have lost that contract when you could have had both if both would have purchased regardless of the breach then you can collect damages against the breaching party so let's talk about jet service co versus salina properties just to see how this works jet service co uh, puts washing and drying machines in laundromats throughout the country they've got a warehouse full of these washing and drying machines that aren't in service and when they get new property they go and put it in this property to service well they ended up putting it into a property that was owned by a landlord before selena and selena ended up purchasing the property removing jet service washing machines and installing their own and so jet service let this sit in the warehouse for a while ended up putting it in a different property and then sued Selena saying, "Hey, you need to pay us because we had a deal with you guys that you would service our washing machines in your place." And Selena is like, "No, you failed to mitigate damages." Well, what the court said is that this is an example of a lost volume seller. Jet service has the means to sell to multiple parties of the similar type. And because they did and they have the means, they lost the value of that contract that they would have had with Selena originally. And so they are free to both keep their old contract, sorry, keep their new contract and then gather or collect based off of what they lost. in their contract with Selena. So that's the requirement to mitigate. Let's go ahead and sum everything up. Even though a plaintiff has the ability to recover expectation damages, they need to mitigate their damages or else they could risk losing it all. Uh you're going to look at what is commercially reasonable when it comes to mitigation of damages. Sometimes it's best to stop, other times it's best to finish performance as far as what's reasonable. The plaintiff has the required to mitigate, but the defendant has the burden of proof to show that they failed, and then we talked about the lost volume doctrine when if you're able to sell to both parties, the breach of one is losing that contract, and so you ultimately get to collect off of that contract that you lost. Have a good one. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.